Can't spin. Turn your head on the side and tell you you're crazy. You're sorry. Three weeks since a living room. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't there a living room in there or something? <laughs> oh my God, I don't know the words. Anyway. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And, and this, this is Hashtag History. history. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. This is Hashtag History, episode 27. I'm Rachel. Sorry, I was gonna do a weird voice. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. And I'm Leah. And I'm Leah. <laughs> Sorry. And we are talking about the Donner Party this week. I think the Donner Party is one of those things in history that everyone at least has a cursory knowledge of. But how much do you really know about it? Before I assume that everyone does know about the Donner Party if there is any potential chance that we have a listener out there that does not know, I think this right here should sum it up for you. When I was conducting my research for this episode, the number one most asked question about the Donner Party was who was eaten mm. in the Donner Party? Yay. Not what, not when, who. That's right, guys. We're talking about cannibalism this week. Due to a handful of mistakes and mishaps in their pioneering journey, Westward. That was a difficult sentence. Let's do that again. It was very slurred, but I don't think you're drunk. I feel like I feel like a little tipsy, but no. Due to a handful of mistakes and mishaps in their pioneering journey westward, the Donner Party ended up spending the winter months of 1846 to 1847 in the Sierra Nevada mountains. Without food or supplies, members of the Donner Party began to eat one another as a means of survival. And on that note, let's drink. The one nice piece is that the cocktails are close to the beginning of this episode. I feel like sometimes I give like a 12 a minute introduction. Uh, yeah. Yes. Especially when the drink looks exceptionally good. It's like, okay, can this introductory move faster? In other cases where the drink looks gross and has condensed milk in it, I keep bringing that one up, but it was gross, guys. You were like, let me keep talking for as long as I need to. I can make this introduction 17 minutes long. Yeah. Watch me. And I think we did. Potentially. I feel like the first half of the episode was intro and then the drink. Right Right around the halfway point where we take our break, we took a drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but here's the drink already. Yes. For this week. Yeah. It's it just came up like that. Okay. Yep. So super uplifting and inspirational topic. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, as we will be discussing later in this episode, the Donner Party's journey ended near Truckee, California, which is just over an hour and a half up the road from us here in Sacramento. On a personal note, last year around this time, I had to drive up to Reno, Nevada for a conference. Yes. Do you remember this? Um, The Interstate Highway 80 that takes you straight from Sac to Reno was closed due to yes. weather, so I ended up driving my rented Ford F-150 pickup truck through Lake Tahoe to get to the conference. This added like three hours to my trip, okay? I remember this. Lo and behold, the weather got worse while I was at the conference, yet I still decided to take I-80 back through Truckee home to, quote, save time. There were there were air quotes when she said save time. Yes, yes. so I did almost die. So I feel like I have a connection to the Donner Party in that sense. <laughs> and because you were in Truckee? <laughs> and because I was in Truckee. Um, but basically, I was somehow ended up at the front of a line of cars in a truck, in a giant tank. Yes. It was a tank that was skidding all over the highway because I don't drive in snow and I never have driven in snow before. Um, but now I feel like I could say I could drive in. I've been there. Didn't, didn't cannibalize anyone because I was by myself fortunately <laughs> but I and it was only like four you are hours now, so <laughs> you ate, ate a little bit of your your calf right no I think I had snacks <laughs> but anyways I just felt a little connection yeah. to the story in that way it. um so now I see how that happened to them because this f- blows yeah okay anywho this week I wanted to find a quote pioneer drink and i'm doing air quotes again which why do i do that when we're when it's, it's an audio platform i don't know i do a lot of like visual stuff too i mean i we have talked about in my bio like on the website it talks about how i make all these crazy facial expressions yes. which you guys are missing out yeah no her eyebrows are at all times going at lightning speed <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth like <laughs> like super expressive that was me doing a visual interpretation of your eyebrows which our listeners can't see right anyways this week i wanted to find a pioneer drink and only came across one that had vodka and whiskey in it which sounded disgusting the combo yeah i don't like so it. i just kind of made up my own i love it semi based on that so ready yes it's leah's pioneer cocktail i don't love know it. okay <laughs> i was like waiting 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 oh, that's it okay got it uh-huh. it um contains muddled orange slices a shot of whiskey a little bit of triple sec or orange liqueur similar orange liqueur and then topped with ginger beer yeah I'm- i have no idea those all sound like very you things to me anyway and i will say i put all of the muddled oranges into the cup so i think it's going to be like drinking an orange like the, the <laughs> thickness. Drinking orange juice with like extra pulp? Yeah. Like more than extra pulp. <laughs> That's okay. I kind of like, I don't know how you feel about Chunky. pulp. Oh, I like pulp. I like, I kind like, I like orange juice either way, but when it does have pulp in it, I don't mind because the pulp makes it feel kind of like a smoothie, like kind of thicker. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, cheers. cheers? Let's actually clinky yeah. clinky this time. Mm. Oh, I like it. Okay. You don't. Oh, and I should mention that I use some like um, person like personally aged whiskey that my husband he has that is fantastic. Like these whiskey barrels that we actually he actually ages his own whiskey. I'm gonna put this all the way up at an eight, girl. I very we much did like well this. this week. You did well this week. It's last week was 
we had a three and a four, I believe. It was rough. Are are you liking it? I do. Um, there's something about it I'm not sure about. Yeah. Anyways, I'm gonna give it a seven. It's not quite as okay. high for me, which is surprising because I love whiskey. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. This incident occurred in the 1840s when there was a lot of migration going on throughout the states. We're all familiar with the Oregon Trail, even if it's just because we all played that computer game. Um, Nico has a card game version of the Oregon Trail. It's really stupid. I kind of like that a lot, though. You know, the other game I played a lot um, was Roller Coaster Tycoon. Did you ever play that? Um, I played. I was a Sim City girl. Mm. I never was, but um, after coming back from Disneyland recently, I found that there's an app of the Roller Coaster Tycoon. Uh huh. Um, may or may not have downloaded on my phone still haven't played it but it's there anyway (laughs) she's giving me a judgmental look the oregon trail was a 2170 mile long trail that led from the missouri river to oregon territory and also stretched down to california there was a great appeal to travel to california in particular in the late 1840s because of any guesses The gold rush. The gold rush, guys. Expansion was a big deal at this time in American history. There was the concept of manifest destiny, which, quick history 101 reminder, manifest destiny is the concept that any land that fell between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans belonged to white European settlers and that they were to conquer it. That concept of manifest destiny and just the overall idea of expansion is exactly what the Donner Party decided to do. Consisting of both the Donner family and the Reed family, which is why this case is sometimes referred to as the Donner-Reed party, and that is actually how I will be referring to it for the remainder of the episode, a total of 32 people began the journey from Springfield, Illinois, to head west towards California on May 12, 1846. This group was led by the Donner brothers, George and Jacob, and a man named James F. Reed. Along the way, more travelers joined their group, so that a total of 89 travelers were on this journey to California. Now, the fact that they chose to travel at this time of year, this is already a little funky. The ideal time to set off toward the West was actually in mid to late April. This mid to late April time frame allowed for there to still be enough grass for animals to feed on, as well as enough time to travel before the winter hit. The Donner-Reed party was actually the very last party to leave for westward travel in 1846, and this late departure ends up playing a huge role in the success, or lack thereof, of their journey. This journey that they embarked on generally consisted of 15 miles of travel a day, which meant that the total journey could take anywhere between four and six months' time. As if 2,170 miles isn't daunting enough, it was actually the last 100 miles or so of the journey that were the worst part. This last 100 miles ran across the Sierra Nevada, which was all mountains, meaning that snow was inevitable in this region dependent upon the time of year. The worst time of year to be caught here would be September or later when the mountains were covered with snow and again when there was no grass for the animals to feed. So Leah... About what time of year do you think the Donner Reed Party reached the Sierra Nevada? Well, I'm going to guess it was when the snow was on the mountains. (laughs) So there are some discrepancies, but we know for sure that they arrived there in either late, late October or early November, which again, any time after September was a no-go. No bueno. Yeah. Now, why did it take them that long to get there? 
For one, the Donner Reed Party were not skilled pioneers with significant travel experience. But the primary reason was that they took some bad advice from a dishonest man. I have a picture of the path that the Donner Reed Party took on their journey that we can pull up and look at as we go along. Yeah, so I will go into detail, but you can see in this picture, like, Oregon Trail all the way over to um, Sutter's Fort in California. Mm-hmm. That's the travel, or that's the that's the path. A man by the name of Lansford Hastings, a guide and prior migrant from Ohio to the West, was heavily promoting a new path he had discovered, which he lovingly called Hastings Cutoff. According to Hastings, this particular path provided a shortcut to California by making it a more direct path. If you look back at that picture, you can kind of see um, Hastings Cutoff there as opposed to taking um, the Fort Hall Pass, which was the more commonly taken path. So according to Hastings, like I said, this path provided a shortcut to California by making it a more direct path. And while it's true that it was a more direct path, it actually added on miles to the journey. Hmm. In addition to that, at the time that the Donner Reed party was embarking on their journey, only Hastings and one other person had successfully reached California by way of Hastings cutoff. Oh, geez. Yeah. And neither Hastings nor the other successful individual had had wagons with them, which... If you will recall, the Donner-Reed party, which now contained more than just the Donner and Reed families, were bringing along with them a lot of people with a lot of kids and a lot of belongings. And a lot of animals, right? A lot of animals, exactly. So they had a ton of wagons, a ton of animals, in particular like oxen and stuff that were dragging along the wagons. The Hastings cutoff route took travelers through a path that was not conducive to wagon traveling at all. Hastings was really talking up this new shortcut, though, writing letters to riders and to then deliver to travelers, encouraging them to take the new path. The Donner-Reed party were recipients of one of these letters. In this letter, Hastings said that he would be waiting at Fort Bridger, a small fur trading outpost located in Wyoming. He would wait there for the travelers to assist them in taking the new path. I've uploaded a picture of the fort here, Leah, for you to look at Fort um, Bridger. It's not actually a very particularly exciting picture. The exciting piece is that this fort is still there today and actually has a pretty extensive history of being a place that housed a station for the Pony Express and also housed the Union Army during the Civil War for a bit. It looks like Sutter's Fort. Yeah. And Sutter's Fort is also instrumental to this story, too, when some of those from the Donner Reed Party did successfully reach California. They stayed at Sutter's Fort. But yeah, you're right. All the all of these forts kind of look the same. You want to know something I, I questioned about the whole thing mm-hmm. with the gold rush and then them ending in Sacramento? Yes. Is like technically, yes, Sacramento, there was some like gold panning and stuff in Sacramento, but most of it was actually up. San Francisco was where most of it San was. San Francisco or then up in like the El Dorado National mm-hmm. Forest. So like they went past that to get right. to Sacramento. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that question. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> now, prior to reaching Fort Bridger, the Donner Reed Party found along the way notes that were stuck on forked sticks warning them not to take Hastings cut off. The notes warned that the new path, having not been traveled as much as the established Fort Hall path, was not paved well for wagon travel. In addition to these concerns, when the Donner Reed Party reached Fort Bridger, Hastings was nowhere to be found. Remember, Hastings had said that he would be waiting at the fort when they arrived in order to help guide them through the cutoff. 
The party waited for Hastings for eight days before setting off a letter with a messenger to locate him. A handful of days later, the party received a response from Hastings telling them to follow an alternative, an alternative alternative. that was like weird saying that to follow an alternative trail to reach Hastings cutoff. This alternate path ended up costing them an additional 18 days and it was brutal because the path had not been frequently traveled. They quite literally had to create a path for themselves and their wagons by cutting down trees, moving huge rocks and so on. The party finally reached the Wasatch mountains. Remember that they had already left late in the season to begin with. In addition to that, they have now wasted nearly three weeks going through Hastings route. It took an additional two weeks to get through the Wasatch Mountains before the party reached the Great Salt Lake. Food was scarce and spirits were low. I was also just in Salt Lake City. That's right. That's where your layover was. Yeah. Okay. Now, Leah, you know one of my favorite things to do with history, one of the reasons that I love history so much is because these are real people. These are real events, real emotions, real thoughts, real feelings here. Mm Mm-hmm. I want us to imagine this scenario from a real-life standpoint and think about the way the party was feeling at this point. Like, defeated. Completely defeated. There were a handful of members that chose to go to the the well-traveled path instead of following Hastings' cutoff because they didn't trust it. The notes warning them against the cutoff had worked for those folks. Yeah, it would have worked for me, too, to I be completely like, honest. I, I think me, too. I would hope so, anyway. I think it would work for me, too. But I, I do also understand, like... What if you were traveling with your family and the rest of your family said, no, let's try this new path? I, we, we've already discussed that like, peer, different yeah, this. and like you can be peer pressured or you, you don't like yeah. to say no. Yeah. And I feel like I don't like to say no either. But when it comes to like something like this, like my safety or something like that, I'm just like, nah, if you want to go, go for it. Yeah, if it, it was if it was like my family and every single one of them, with the exception of me, was saying, let's try this new cutoff path. And I was like, no, really, guys, I don't think we should. I would end up doing the cutoff path if that's what they wanted to do. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Think about if you were one of the members that had chosen, though, to stick with the rest of the group as they made their voyage through unknown territory. Just think about the way people felt and the things they must have been thinking. They're questioning the leadership. They're questioning themselves. The distrust in this group was thick. Every man was looking out for his own. They were no longer a united team. Think of it like Disneyland. Not that this is fun and magical in any way. But you know that I have firsthand experience with when you go to Disneyland with a group of 17 people, it's not physically possible for everyone to stay together. No. And and if you do, someone's going to get murdered. You mean mur- like, like you're going to be... So frustrated with yes. the person someone's getting murdered. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Well, and I, and I just mean like some people want churros and then the other half of the group wants to ride Space Mountain until they're like vomiting because they've done it 700 times. I, I want the best of both worlds, please. We'll see. And then there are people that want the best of both worlds. So everyone like has different agendas and also everyone moves at a different pace, which you and I both move at the Disneyland hustle pace, which is the elbow and shoulder every human in existence in your path but then there are the other people that are like actual decent patient human beings that let people walk in front of them and then they don't get on any rides and then they don't get on any rides because they don't know the disney hustle is what i call it so 
<laughs> do the hustle. <laughs> Is it Disney hustle? Yes. But so yeah, you and I, you and I both know this about Disneyland. Again, the Donner Reed party is not like Disneyland, but in one sense, it is. Everyone has a different agenda; they move at different paces. There are eighty-nine people in this group. I've gone to Disneyland with at a max like twelve, thirteen people. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, I struggle with four, and I understand that. Yeah. So with tensions rising high, a fight ended up breaking out amongst the party members in which Reed ended up stabbing another member of the group. Wow. Right. They ended up deciding that Reed was to be banished and would have to find his own way to California without his family. Did he survive, though? Yeah, he did. Yeah, of course he did. That was a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) The majority of the group get to the Great Salt Lakes only to find a beat-up, crumpled-up letter from Hastings there, informing them that the next two days of the trek will be without water or grass for the animals. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) The party ended up losing several animals at this time due to death by thirst and starvation, or because a handful of animals actually broke free from the group and took off. And, um, I don't know, they were the smart ones in here. Yeah, this is giving me, like, serious Oregon Trail flashbacks to, like, God, the oxen died again of thirst! (laughs) (sighs) And I don't really remember... Like, I remember the Oregon Trail game, but I more so remember the tycoon, roller coaster tycoon game, where it's the same thing, like, ugh, when I'm charging people 25 cents to go to the bathroom, why don't they go anymore? Did you ever play (laughs) roller coaster tycoon? No. Oh, my God, so much fun. Anyone out there that did play, give me me some love, send us a message, let me know you were roller coaster tycoon person too let me know if you're a sim city person like me okay we'll have a battle we'll see let's let's <laughs> dance battle it out but with, we should do a poll yeah we should we'll do a poll guys so after two months let me emphasize that again two months the donner reed party finally completed hastings cutoff and rejoined the well-traveled path that many followers before them had in total, Hastings cutoff ended up costing them about a month of time. Oof, which That's they already a, started late. They already started late. That is a hell of a lot of time, especially when you're under the time constraint of weather. All right. So if you will recall, closer to the top of the episode, we discussed the fact that the party reached the worst part of the trip, the last 100 miles through the Sierra Nevada, at the worst possible time. It was late October, early November at this point. All the people that had traveled west at the appropriate time had already reached their destination. But here the Donner Reed party was still a hundred miles behind them. An unexpected snowfall hit making the voyage through the Truckee Lake area, now known as Donner Pass, obviously named after the Donner Reed party voyage, absolutely impossible. Try as they might, the crew couldn't break through the snow. They couldn't see the path through the snow. They had no choice but to abort mission and put up camp right where they were at. The various families that were a part of this party constructed log cabins for each respective family and lived in those while snow poured down for eight days straight. Mm. Food was scarce. One family was able to live off of an oxen that had died, but even obtaining that oxen was a whole ordeal. The family paid double the price of a healthy oxen to the owners of the oxen just to survive. Inflation in a time of desperation, right? Yeah. 
Several attempts were made by smaller groups to pass through the snow, but they were all unsuccessful. Times became pretty desperate. They became so desperate, in fact, that there is this story about a family living in one of the cabins that had an oxhide rug in front of their fireplace that the children literally started throwing into the fire until the hide turned into a gooey mess, and then they ate it. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yes. Families had also used oxhide to fill in the cracks between the logs in their cabins, But faced with the realities of starvation, they began to eat this hide as well, making their cabins entirely uninhabitable in the dead of winter. Rewind back to what I said earlier about making history real. Think about these people in terms of real life, everyday people. These families began pitting against one another. There was one family that owed another family a debt. So in exchange for that debt, the one family stole all of the hide from the debtor's house. Like I said earlier, every man was out for his own. In addition to all of this, along the way, a group of Native Americans joined the Donner Reed Party for a brief period of time before abandoning the group and either stealing or killing several of their oxen. I would have gone with them. <laughs> like, they, they obviously know, know what's they up. They know the territory. Yeah. It was on December 16th that a smaller group of the party, 10 men and 5 women, set out to cross the mountains and find a way out for the larger group. Which, FYI, in case I haven't already made this clear, the majority of the Donna Reed party were children. And I'm sure there actually were not, they were, they were dying at this point, right? Or not quite. I'll, like, towards the end, there's a conclusion of, like, how many people okay. lived and whatnot. Um, but no, you're right, like, the Donna Reed party was made up of more than 50% of children, six of which were infants. And you're right that they were completely malnourished. They're not eating. Yeah, I would assume that at this point, people who are not, super healthy already like children children Mm -hmm. are dying off or not doing well yeah yep Yep. anyway so the smaller group of 15 they set out through the mountains on makeshift snowshoes that they had put together made of oxide everything was made of oxide everything i know (laughs) after nearly a week on this journey and having gone days without food they began to eat their snowshoes It wasn't too long after that that talk began that perhaps a member of the party should, I don't know, sacrifice themselves for the greater good to allow the rest of the group something to eat. I.e., hey, Bob, would you do us a favor? Kill yourself so the rest of us can eat your body. So they actually considered starting somewhat of a lottery system to see who the unlucky Good Samaritan would be. They didn't have to wait long for someone to die, though. Shortly thereafter, a man in their group named Patrick Dolan went crazy. He ripped his clothes, ran around like a lunatic, and then just died. It wasn't too long after that that the Donner Reed party began eating his flesh. Did they they cook it? I'm assuming yes. I I would hope so. I do know... um, When we get a little later in the story, they did like start to dry meat, kind of like a jerky. So they kind of like, and they knew to like store human meat in the snow to like preserve it. Okay. (gasps) Yeah. Okay. Over the course of the next few days, a total of four others in their group died and were eaten by the other members. In my research, I found that the party had a systematic way of organizing and differentiating the bodies to ensure that no one ever ate one of their own family members. (gasps) 
So nice. there's that at least, right? That's I nice, like, I guess. Like, if you're going to eat another human being, it at least probably it shouldn't be your, be your mom. mom. Yeah, it shouldn't be your mom. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I guess. <laughs> There were only two members that refused to partake in cannibalism, but after nearly nine days of not eating and near death themselves, another member of the party shot the two men and fed them to the group. Like, yeah. Ah. Back at Truckee Lake, where the majority of the party remained, there was cannibalism going on there as well. After 33 days, the surviving six out of that initial 15 members that had separated from the larger group made it to a ranch in the outer Sacramento Valley. Once this small group settled, a rescue attempt for the greater party still out at Truckee Lake was made. This rescue attempt took a long ass time. In a direct quote from an article from history.com, it reads, of the five months the Donner Party spent trapped in the mountains, Nearly half of it took place after they had already been located by rescuers. Oh my gosh. That's freaking nuts. When the rescuers finally reached the remainder of the party at the lake, they found that nearly half the group had died. Of those that did survive, a handful of these members died on the rescue journey out of the mountains as they were entirely malnourished and weak. One survivor was a man named Louis Kesseberg. Kesseberg goes down in history as potentially being the only man that enjoyed cannibalism. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't heard about this. Yeah. Legend has it that Kesseberg actively killed other members of the party for meat as opposed to waiting for them to die on their own before resorting to killing them. Mm. Legend also has it that he bragged about enjoying the taste of human flesh and that when rescuers found him, he was half mad and surrounded by the corpse of his victims. Mm. At the end of it all, a mere 45 of the original 89 party members survived. George and Jacob Donner, their wives, and their children were not amongst the survivors. There have been many memorials created in honor of the Donner Party. A weird semi-personal connection that I have to the case. Um, Leah and I always talk about how we are from Sacramento, California. Technically, I live in a town just outside of Sacramento, but it's still in the greater Sacramento area. Anyway, the body of one of the survivors of the Donner Reed Party, Elitha? Elitha? Yeah, Elitha. I think Elitha, it's like Alyssa, but okay, Elitha. with a T-H. Alitha Kumi Wilder is actually buried in a cemetery in that little town that I live in. It is 12 minutes from my house. That's pretty freaking cool. Nerding out. Isn't that cool? She's She is 12 minutes from my house. She is one of the survivors of the Donner Reed party. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Also, another semi-personal connection that I have. Leah, who is my number one all-time favorite historical figure? Abraham Lincoln. Abe Lincoln every freaking day something that not many people know is that abraham lincoln was this close to being a part of the donna reed party i didn't know this yes he lived in springfield illinois where the party departed from and expressed significant interest in traveling with him to california his wife mary todd was pregnant at the time and she had a toddler already at home in addition to that lincoln's political political career was just beginning to take off in the late 1840s. This is what held him back from trekking the journey alongside the other travelers. And can we just say, thank God. You're so funny. <laughs> Little tear dropped down my cheek. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Like, who would you be if he had done that? Who would I even be if Lincoln didn't exist? I, 
That's an intense question. Yeah. We don't have time to answer that's that. That's too of deep. Questions. She's crying, it's, guys. It's too deep. The tears are coming. <laughs> Thank God he wasn't part of the party. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. Next week, we will be coming at you with the first half of a super special two-parter episode. So get ready for that, guys. We will post the pictures from this episode to our Instagram, and all sources used to put this episode together can be found on our website. If you enjoyed the episode, do us a favor and subscribe to Hashtag History on whatever podcast platform you use, share it with a friend, and give us a rate and review. And be sure, as always, to check us out on Instagram at Hashtag History underscore podcast. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. didn't work well at all that was the worst we didn't harmonize we were saying different vowels like what the fuck rerun it's a really inspirational topic orange in my teeth um got it okay <laughs> like literally i know we need to put the drinks out of sight I- Oh, I thought you were going to say, we need to put the drinks at the beginning of the episode. Oh. I thought that's where you were going. No, I was going to say just out of sight until we do that. Yeah, it's difficult to not drink them before it's time. Anyway, guys, without food or supplies, (laughs) it's your face that's the funniest part. (laughs) Does he do that stuff like when you're out there? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if it was because... Like, no one's paying attention to him. I mean, that might be heightening it, but no, he's he's like this. <laughs> Dude, okay, I've already said due to a handful, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> okay. Sorry. No, I love being schooled by you. <laughs> Couldn't tell if you were serious or not. <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs>